Great sheets promote great sleep, but luxurious bedding is so expensive. Well, not anymore. Bluebird Linens is offering a 60-day, 100% money-back guarantee, even on the shipping. You have to try these sheets and feel how soft they are. Bluebird Linens offers four- and six-piece sheet sets in a dozen different colors. Sets start at $37.99, proving that luxury doesn't have to be expensive. And, as an added bonus for a limited time, our listeners can save 30% by using coupon code BERLIN, B-E-R-L-I-N. Just go to bluebirdlinens.com. That's bluebirdlinens.com. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and today I'm excited to share a birth story. It's one that sticks out in my mind that when I teach childbirth education classes, this is something that we aim towards. I'd like to introduce two guests. First of all, the mom who had that baby, Shandy Finnessy. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Dr. Berlin. Pleasure. You're everything I'm not. You're a Miss a USA. Woman. You're a woman. <laughs> which I'm not, I, I've thought about, but I'm not a woman. Uh, you're Miss USA. You're on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, you, you do, and also what really strikes out to me is how much you've done for uh, cancer education research and legislation and that you raised $30 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, throughout, throughout my year as Miss USA, you become a national spokesperson for breast and ovarian cancer. So you work with a lot of charities, um, and help do tons of fundraisers, and that's that's what you do for the whole year, is champion that cause. I wish you were doing something more meaningful with your time. And then also, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you published a book, a children's a book, children's. The Fur Tales. Yeah, how'd that come to be? Um, long story short, um, I in college, I had my undergr- undergraduate degree in psychology, and I was um, interning with people with mental retardation and Down syndrome, and I saw how there was such a stigma there, and so I started um, working on inclusion programs of people who have um, specifically mental retardation and Down syndrome, but it was all mental disabilities, um, and when I would talk with younger kids, it was hard for them to really understand what I was talking about. So I needed a visual tool. Hmm. And there's a lot of books that have come out. Maria Shriver wrote one called What's Wrong with Timmy. But it was more geared toward older kids. And I needed something that was really simple. So it's a story about rabbits. And they all have strengths and weaknesses. And one of them finds himself in a trap. And they all have to use their strengths. And they're all different in order to free him from the trap. And then we go around. We talk about, like, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And how it doesn't make anyone better than anyone else. It just makes us different. Oh, wow. So it had it had a purpose of of it being an educational tool, and it was able to be integrated into the um, Girl Scout Council of Greater St. Louis, their disability program. So it ended up doing what I wanted it to do. That's really special. Yeah, thank you. And it's hard; it's a lot of work to write a book. And uh, I mean, a children's book. It's like I think children's book is pages. sometimes even harder because you yeah. you have to get down to the level, and you have to say a lot without a lot of words. This is true, but I think I'm very childlike at times, (laughs) and so it kind of (laughs) helps. In here also with us today is Nina Phelan. She's a certified hypnobirth childbirth educator, birth doula, certified lactation educator, prenatal yoga teacher, Reiki energy healer, and a sacred pregnancy and sacred postpartum mother roasting facilitator and a mindfulness coach. All that in one breath. Dot com. <laughs> All wrapped up in one neat little package. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me, Elliot. Uh, I've wanted to have you for lots of different reasons because you clearly have a lot to offer our audience and with all your training and all your education and all that you do here locally in the childbirth community. But also you were an integral part of Shandy's birth team. You were her doula and more. You did more. Um, let's talk about that birth and why it was so special to me and hopefully to you too. I, I'm just giving it to you from my perspective. Um, I met you sort of towards the end of the pregnancy mm-hmm. and um, your little guy was Breach. Mm-hmm. Did we? Kn- I think when we first I came to you, I don't think we knew he was Breach at that point. Oh, maybe we did. 
I think we did actually because my I did a home birth and my backup OB was uh, Dr. Mike, I think his name was. Um, he was the Kardashian OB. Oh, oh Dr. Paul. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Crane, Crane, Paul, Dr. Yeah. Paul Crane. Oh, it isn't even Mike. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, and we found out that he was breached. And even the midwife hadn't caught that. We thought he was in the perfect position. And Dr. Crane was amazing at saying, here's your options. And start doing, I was doing handstands. I was doing all of these crazy things. And he said, Dr. Berlin is kind of the guy. Go oh. to him. I think that's how I first found you. Yeah, and so you know, in our in our practice, we don't try to like physically turn a baby. What we're doing is we're trying to improve your musculoskeletal function around your low backs and your hips and your pelvis to make sure that there's not restriction coming from there that also restricts the baby's ability to move inside you. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, long story short, your baby did flip over, mm-hmm. and you got back on track with your home birth. Um, why did you want home birth in the first place? Well, in a nutshell, um, I try to live a holistic life. I try not to put too many things that interfere with my natural body's way of dealing with things. Um, and then a number of years ago, I was introduced to everyone knows Ricky Lake and oh, yeah. the business of being the born. Bomb. And I was just dead set on home birth. I also. Um, After seeing that? Yes. Okay. And I grew up with three older brothers. And so I kind of like challenging myself and seeing my own strength through crazy, challenging situations I put myself in. And so I knew that I wanted the home birth. And it was actually newly into dating who now is my husband. And we were talking about, do you want to have kids someday? And I said, well, I'm planning on doing a home birth. And he was like, that is the most dangerous thing. <laughs> you need to have a doctor and an epidural. And I remember, and we, I mean, we were newly dating. And I was like, well, let's watch this documentary. And we put it on. And he was silent the whole time. And it ended. And he's like, you are never having a hospital birth. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a home birth. And so I just became, I think, knowledge is empowerment. And I just became really educated on all the options that are out there um, because I also didn't want to be in a situation where I did have to go to the hospital and then words were being thrown at me that I didn't know what they meant. And you, you create a state of fear and you're just looking at whoever's looking at you in the face and going, yes, do whatever you have to do. I want to be informed. Because you you guys did that before you were pregnant, before you were even ready yeah. to have kids. Before we even had sex. Okay. <laughs> we, well, we watched the business. <laughs> Being born. That's planning ahead. I always tell my patients you should plan a little bit. Give yourself some time. But I'm a planner. Clearly. Uh, but I want to, Nina, how did you become an all-in-one birth guru? Well, I don't know if I'm a birth guru. I, well, you are. That's the reputation around town. Oh, well, thank you, Elliot. Um you know, this is a path that was never predicted. Uh, a little piece of trivia, like Shandy was Miss USA. I, once upon a time, was Miss Canada. Oh, really? A long, long, long hey. time ago. Yes. Yeah. I'm surrounded by royalty. I know. <laughs> I, w- I once ate a hot dog eating contest. So there. <gasps> did you really? Yes, I and did. did you win? I won. I won a hot dog eating contest in Canada. How many did you eat? I don't remember. I was like a little kid. I was a big kid, but I was a young kid uh, <laughs> eating a lot of hot dogs. There was That's a camp amazing. marathon, and then we had like little eating contests uh-huh. like that. I did. I came in second to last in the marathon, but number one in the hot dog eating. That's amazing. So everybody has their strength. Are hot dogs exactly. kosher? Kosher hot dogs are kosher? Kosher hot dogs, yes. Yes. I I never thought to use my crown to raise money for cancer research, but now it's never too late. (laughs) Take that thing out. So I got Miss USA and Miss Canada. I got Miss North America surrounding There you go. There There you go. know, I was an actress. I moved to L.A. for acting for my career, and I was having a little bit of a slump. And there was a yoga teacher training being offered that year at Golden Bridge. Hmm. So I said, oh, you know what? I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm just going to take this training. Took the training. Halfway through the course, they were offering prenatal yoga teacher training. I'm like, I'm not going to be teaching. I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just going to take it. You took the prenatal class. And it changed my life. Did you take the class after you'd already had a baby or before? No, this is before. Really? And I was very afraid of having a child. Um, my husband and I have been together for 20 years. Um, so at this point in time, we were married, and he wanted to have children right away. And I was afraid. I wasn't afraid of being pregnant or giving birth. I was afraid that I'd have a child who was like me. <laughs> and um, and this, this, t- this training was just so all-encompassing. It released all this fear. It made me embrace wanting to become pregnant. And... 
as soon as I finished the training, they offered me a job. So I started teaching prenatal oh, wow. yoga at Golden Bridge. Gurmook and, you know, like all these All people. the energy. Yeah. The giants. Um, and then people started asking me to be their doula. I wasn't a doula at the time. Uh, and then I had my daughter, and that was life-changing. And so then I took doula certification, and one of my clients— It's interesting. You said it was life-changing, but it was the thing you were most afraid of. Yes. But in, it turned out to be the th- something that was totally opposite of that. Isn't it unbelievable? And, you know, I always believe, like, everything just happens for a reason. I, um, I had witnessed about a year prior to taking the teacher training a woman, get this, giving birth at a gas station. What? what? I walked into the gas station to pay for my gas, and there's this woman. Her back is towards me, and there's this man facing her, and he's yelling. He's yelling, and the door's closed. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's happening here? The woman dropped her pants. The man reached down. And the woman squatted, and this baby was born, and this gentleman just received the baby before what? the baby hit the floor. Oh, oh my, my goodness. I don't gosh. even use the bathroom at the gas station. <laughs> I know. What are you walking right. Wow. And I was like, why is this? Why am I witnessing this? It really freaked me out. And and I it think it was sign. a sign. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And now no that kidding. baby's name is Shell. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yikes. And so it just grew. One it thing just grew. Another. It just very organically. And, you know, the whole um, foundation, I guess, of my work is the hypnobirthing. And that in conjunction with the yoga, um, hypnobirthing came to me because I had a client who who was taking a class from Alicia Tamburi. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll sit down in on this. And it was everything that I believed in in birth, that a woman's body is designed to give birth easily and naturally if she can relax her mind and allow her body to do what it's designed to do. And so from there, I think just my practice grew. And it wasn't like I was – Working towards anything, it just has naturally blossomed. Yeah. yeah. How did you guys meet? I uh, decided to start taking prenatal yoga classes because, again, I was just doing everything I could in my power to get my mind and body where it should be, and took one of her classes. And I mean, you can tell right now her energy is just so positive. You speak with a smile. <laughs> you do. You can hear it, but if, if, if your listeners were actually seeing you her, she just... You can probably feel it. Yeah, you Aww. can feel it and you can definitely see it. And the warmth that was there um, was just contagious. And uh, and then finding out that she was a doula and it just it felt like the right fit. And so I kept taking her prenatal yoga classes. And then as we got closer, we talked about her being a doula and therefore... Um, and the energy, the things that she did were so great, and I recommend her to so many people mm-hmm. because, um, A, you're a woman, so you just get it. But little things that she would do and, like, little shaking of the hips and little things that would take a, a, a rush that was, like, an eight or a nine and bring it down to, like, a six or a seven. Like, mm-hmm. it was much more manageable. So it's just, again, being in the right place at the right time, like being in the gas station and seeing birth, <laughs> I think that just – being in that yoga class opened me up to that, um, having you there at our, mm. at our birth. So. It's, uh, it's, I feel very lucky because I, I trained as a doula, but also mm-hmm. I do body work. And so oftentimes I'm at a birth where I'm doing body work and there is a doula. And I get to learn and just watch and observe how she, how she helps that laboring mom feel safe and comfortable and confident and energetic. And um, it, it's one of the things, the energy between the two of you guys uh, was something that is part of why that birth was so special for me. And But it was also, the other thing is like the birth team. Mm-hmm. And we'll, I guess we'll talk about your birth pretty soon. But, um, you know, who ends up coming to a birth, I think, makes a huge difference. And sometimes you're there and and you're just like, hmm, that's an interesting choice for who's in the room here right now. And sometimes it's not until everybody goes away that mom can just relax and the baby comes out. And you're like, well, that could have happened 11 hours ago. <laughs> but I sort of feel like at your birth, like everybody just had like the right – it was a puzzle with all mm-hmm. the right pieces. Mm-hmm. And again, this is my my interpretation for mm-hmm. what I observed. You're the one who actually had the baby. So if, if – Well, it, again, <laughs> a lot of it I think takes visualization and mental planning ahead of time. I mm-hmm. had mentally planned out that birth for months ahead of time um, and all of the elements that went into play. So it was just sort of reliving what I would already created. 
What did you do? I, I know you watched the business this morning on like your first date, but what else yeah. did you uh... <laughs> um, A lot of reading. Like Ina Mae Gaskin became oh. like my guru. Um, I just couldn't get enough of her knowledge. Um, but another thing that was really important was, and, and I got a lot actually from Nina's prenatal yoga classes, were words or phrases that I really connected to. And one was surrender. Mm. She kept saying, um, and little things that I would connect to, I wrote down on a vision board. So they were words that I could um, really connect to and make my body react or phrases. Another one said that 350,000 350, births happen every day. And At the same time. Yeah. At the and same so time. so to think of that yeah. – and to realize, okay, I'm in a, in a home that's air-conditioned with running water and with <laughs> food. There are some people who are in a frozen tundra or hunched over next to a cactus in the desert. Like, all these horrible or situations. Or in the backseat of a guest, a car at a gas <laughs> station. Exactly. <laughs> so there's all these other places that were so less desirable. And all these births are happening every single day. So if I can have all of these luxuries of our first world and give birth, then I'm not in such a bad place. Little things like that. Um, and then reminders to pee. Like you want to mm-hmm. have an empty bladder. And mm-hmm. so every time I would have a break, it was like, okay, go pee. It was reminders that were on that vision board. So that vision board, and I didn't realize it, but Nina was telling me a lot of the stuff on my vision board because it was after the birth. I was like, you were saying some great stuff I was connecting to. <laughs> she was like, I was just reading your board. <laughs> <laughs> and can I tell you, Shandy, yeah. I use you um, as an example in a lot of my childbirth classes. So one of the... Um, premises of hypnobirthing is to create affirmations or birth mantras because the body is a robot of the mind. So if the mind is saying, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, the body is going to respond by tightening. And when you're tightening, you're holding in your baby. And so we talked about creating affirmations. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I talk like, I suggest this to all my clients. I come to Shandy's home the day of the birth, and, you know, I'm doing the things I normally do, you know, massaging you, saying the words that I say, but then I look up, and I see her beautiful vision board. It's right mm-hmm. there, yeah. And I start saying her words. Mm-hmm. And I say this to in my class. I mm-hmm. suggest to everybody to create a vision board. Because the minute I started saying your words, I felt her body soften mm-hmm. beneath my hands. Mm-hmm. And it was so palpable that your husband, who was up by your head at that point in time, he noticed your face started softening. Mm-hmm. And I think he even started saying your words from the vision board. Yeah, because what's interesting is, I mean, partially him just being a man, he was saying things that I'm sure he thought were so helpful. He was saying, rise <laughs> above it, babe, rise above it during a contraction. <laughs> and that's the last thing I wanted was to rise above it. I was wanting to get down in it. Sink into and so it. one of the phrases I have down is loose and limp. And you know, so he was saying all these things, and I'm looking at him like, "Sure, babe," but I'm like <laughs> blocking it out. Like, Nina, feed me. <laughs> what are you telling me? Because those words are what I connected to for six or seven months into of of the the pregnancy. And so I needed to hear those words and phrases to remind me of that state of mind that I was in during all of that mental prep. I, I do remember also, because I had never been in your home before, walking around, and it just felt like a little sanctuary. There was just, in addition to that vision board, there were just little phrases and statements. and, and mm-hmm. All over. I had them taped to the wall. <laughs> yeah, just everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, like, that, that helps me. I did. <laughs> yeah. And another thing is I had, um, which I think a lot of women create a playlist of music, but I listened to it a lot at times in my life or, or times in my day when I could be really relaxed and focus on how that day is going to go. And I would allow myself to experience all the emotions that I thought I might experience during labor. Mm. So I would allow myself to get the anxiety and the nerves, and I would allow myself to feel what I thought I would actually feel during labor. And then I would work through it and breathe through it and find a way. And I think that's so important to rather than just plan out what your day is going to look like to really allow yourself to emotionally feel what it might be like. Mm-hmm. You, you did simulations, mm-hmm. it sounds like. I did. And your music mm-hmm. was also kind of amazing. I don't know. It's not music that I've heard before for the most well, part. Well, a lot of the songs came from my prenatal yoga class. <laughs> That's I what it sounded like. To, I would connect to a few of the songs and the lyrics or whatnot. And what's interesting is a song that played often during my labor um, – after my son was four or five months old, I happened to put it back on again, mm. and it is the most calming song for him. So if he ever was super fussy or anything, I'd put it on, and he would just sort of, as though he his soul remembered it mm-hmm. of being born. 
It's really interesting. It still sticks out in my mind that music, and it was all—it's also by design very repetitive and mantra-filled mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, just calming, overall calming. Mm-hmm. So, um, take us through who was on your birth team and what role each one of those person mm-hmm. people had in your mind when you were setting it up. Right. Well, first it was my husband, um, and we had done hypno uh, bir- hypno babies, which is very similar to hypno birthing classes. And he was just sort of in the mindset of what's going to happen, what my body's going to go through, words that he has to use. Don't say contraction because that's a negative word. Say a rush and different words to remind me of. Um, and I went over my vision board many, many times with him. He was the one who actually insisted on having a doula because at first I was saying, but you know all this stuff. We've been doing this train together. And he said, I don't want to fail you, though, mm-hmm. if this ends oh. up being one of those birds that go for 36 hours and you're, you know, I need this, I need this. Like it could create a lot of tension between a couple. So he's the one who kind of pushed more for Nina. And I'm so glad that he did. Um, and then I had my midwife and her assistant. It was actually the backup midwife that we ended up having, which was lovely anyway, because we met with her um, just as often as we did the main midwife. And then uh, it was a, it, more of a last minute decision to then also have you at the birth because you were so instrumental, not only in flipping the baby, but how you were in those last few weeks. I just felt like, um, you know, everything's so connected. And so if, if, and I felt very comfortable around you, but if you could push on certain parts of my body that would alleviate um, a little bit of, of pain or tension that I was feeling, like, why not? Mm-hmm. So you were the last part of the team to show well, up. the final piece, well, mm-hmm. except for Cricket. Yeah, and then my dog. Oh, Cricket. Uh, <laughs> my little, my little four-pound uh, Maltese who um, was very instrumental. And the funny thing, the whole labor, she was right by my side and was at one point I was rolling on the ball and she was kind of laying on my shoulders at the time and she was just on me the whole time. And we have a picture as soon as um, our little guy's born and he's on my breast nursing and she's on the pillow above me looking down at him. But then shortly after that, we hear, bleh, 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 and she started vomiting. She was oh, like, right. too much. I'm not sure what I witnessed. Yeah. <laughs> she then lost it. It's so interesting. Sometimes you see a dog at a birth, and they're they're just very attentive. And sometimes you see them, and they're – I remember one birth, we the dog had to go on the treadmill because he had so much, like, That's anxious hilarious. energy. Wow. It was a Jewish dog. He was, uh, <laughs> he was very anxious, and he had to go on the treadmill for, like, two hours. But then I was also recently at a home birth. And uh, the dog was literally next to mom the whole time, but just like stretching out and yawning, like, you know, like we do this four or five at a time. What are you complaining about? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Uh, Cricket was the sweetest dog I've ever, ever mm -hmm. been witness to at a birth, honestly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, she truly was my first child. So I had, there was a lot of talking to her about like, you're still going to be my child. We're just going to have this. (laughs) And she almost sees um, our baby now who's who's 17 months, but she sees him as her child she was very nurturing on him if he would cry she would like bring him her toys and she's very nurturing she's so cute and tiny but so much personality yeah (laughs) incredible uh okay so i think we could take a little break and then when we come back we can walk through your birth story and see how it was from your perspective come right back after this commercial break to the informed pregnancy podcast Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome 
Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and we're continuing our discussion with Miss USA, Shandy Finnessy, and Miss Canada, Nina Phelan, <laughs> and somehow me, uh, about Shandy's birth. So how did, it, uh, how did it start? How did labor start for you? Well, it was a Friday, and for about two to three weeks before that, I was inserting evening primrose vaginally every morning and night to help soften the cervix. And that morning I got up, put another uh, evening primrose oil pill in, and I instinctually felt like it was going to come that weekend. In fact, my midwife had said, you know, set up an OB appointment for your backup midwife on Monday to make sure you have enough fluid still in your in – your, um, uh, amniotic fluid is still full enough for the baby. And I didn't make that appointment. How, I was how, like, where were you in, in relation to your due date? On my uh, 40 weeks and four days. Oh, you're over your due date. Mm-hmm. You were late. And <laughs> I was right on time. <laughs> and I just felt like he was going to come that weekend. And so that Friday, I put the evening primrose oil pill in and decided to get back into bed and thought this will probably be my last time to actually, like, stay in bed without having to get up and do all these things for a baby. And my dog was different that day. She was really sweet with me and nurturing and cuddly. Um, And then at about um, around noon or so, I got out of bed and I noticed that there was a little bit of a plug that had come out. Um, And then I started leaking amniotic fluid. It wasn't like the burst that you see in movies. It was a leaking and I knew that was a potential. Did you wonder if it was amniotic fluid or you knew right away? I knew. You knew. And I'm not someone who cries wolf. Um, I just knew. And I started feeling like a little bit of the contractions coming. And so I texted the midwife and um, she had called me and said, okay, well, you know, it's probably urine because you have a very uh, full belly and it's probably putting pressure on your bladder. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> and she was like, so we're going to give it a few hours and then I'll probably have you drive on in so I can take a sample and look at under a microscope. And I was like, yeah, in a few hours you're going to be here. <laughs> what, what time of day was that? This was like around noon. Oh, noon on, on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And so I called my husband and he freaked out. And I said, no, no stay there. I think this could still be two days from now. And so I got up and I did two loads of laundry, um, made a grocery list for my husband, <laughs> then started a third load of laundry. And then when the contractions got about four minutes apart, um, my husband called and he's like, okay, so I'm going to take one more meeting and then I'll come home. And I was like, no, <laughs> now's the time you got to come home. So uh, I said, you have to go grocery shopping. And he's so funny because um, he's British. And so he doesn't really like show emotion to strangers, especially. <laughs> and he said he was at Trader Joe's and he saw a woman who had a newborn and he went up to her and was like, what did you eat after you had your baby? <laughs> and she was like, what are you talking about, you weirdo? And he's like, my wife's in labor. <laughs> so someone, he eats really clean. He came out with all these boxes of fruit and pizza. Uh. I was like, what are all these pizzas? <laughs> but so he came home and he's like so excited and running around the house with the dog. And I was like, okay, focus. Like we have, we're having a baby now. So we need to focus. I need to wash the dog because I want the dog to be clean when he met the baby. <laughs> so my contractions are now three minutes apart and I'm bathing the dog and I would have to stop to, to have the rush. And, um, but they were still manageable. And the best part though, which plays into effect later on, um, he was eating from Trader Joe's a pickle flavored popcorn. Oh, yeah, dill and pickle. Yes, dill pick, pickle popcorn. And he had had onions for lunch. Oh, and no. after we finished bathing the dog, <laughs> and I'm just laboring, what can he do? So he's like, babe, do you mind if I have a beer? And I was like, sure. But what <laughs> beer he had was a Heineken, which is like the stinkiest of all Ugh. beers. So for so the men dill listening, dill, yes. like, have a mint. Like, have <laughs> <Yes. something. laughs> Don't have, have dill, cheese. onion, and Heineken. Oh. Because then I'm in a rush, and he's like, baby, you can do it. <laughs> and my face, and after I got through it, I'm like, you need to find a damn piece of gum yeah. or something. We never, we never cover that in mean, childbirth education yeah. classes. Mints are important. Yes, mints are important. Happening. Sponsors by. A little mentors. deodorant as well. Just, yeah. you know. Your senses are strong. Yeah. So we it's just, crazy to me, though, that you're like, oh, yeah, here's your shopping list. You got to go shopping and uh, I got to bathe the dog because mm-hmm. my wife, when we started our first labor, and I think the contractions were like seven minutes apart, uh, a big light bulb went off in my head. I was like, wait a second, I was supposed to put up shelves. So I was like, I, I got to run out to Home Depot. She's like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you're That's not going anywhere amazing. for quite a while. That's yeah, amazing. But you were getting all this stuff done. Well, but I also, that was of the mindset that I remember telling my midwife, 
look, if something happens and there's like a natural disaster the day of my birth and like earthquake or something and you can't get to me, that's fine. Like I'm totally able and willing. I got this? Yeah, like I've read enough really? stuff and watched. I was like, Andy, I can birth yeah. my baby. Like, I don't know. I thought it was going to be like in the woods, like biting the umbilical cord or something. <laughs> oh I didn't know it was going that far. But um, so we, we kept timing it. I was three minutes apart. We called Nina, who was first to arrive, our doula, and when she arrived, it went to 10 minutes apart, which I knew that when someone new enters the room, it can affect and slow for a second or stall your labor until you get comfortable again, it goes back. But I was so afraid of like, oh, I, I didn't lie. Like, it wasn't three minutes. And then um, <laughs> it kept going and progressing. And then the midwife and her assistant showed up. And again, it went to 10 minutes. Oh, interesting. Really? Every time new people came? When new people, which is why a lot of times hospital births will last longer because every time a new nurse comes on mm-hmm. staff or a new intern walks in the room, it's or just something new in the environment. Counts how many gloves there are in this room, you know. They count the gloves? I mean, stock people come in sometimes. Oh, wow. It'd be interesting to interview one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But it reminded me of animals in the wild. If they're in the middle of labor and they're birthing, they could be halfway through their litter. But if something new enters their environment, they can actually stop their labor, get up, and move to a safe location and start again. I can't Mm -hmm. find it. I saw a long time ago a YouTube video of a kitten. Mm-hmm. A cat giving birth to a kitten in a closet. And so the excited pet owner uh, got one of those uh, video cameras with a big light on it mm-hmm. to try to catch the birth. And as soon as that light hit the cat, she literally – you could almost see the her body clamp up over the half-emerged mm-hmm. kitten, get up, wow. walk around with the baby hanging out of her, and then look around. And then she goes under the bed, and you start to hear her start meowing and purring again. Mm-hmm. Our bodies can do that. Yeah. And so even though I knew and trusted Nina and my midwife, every time someone new would come, everything would change. And then you'd have to get comfortable again and go back into it. Um, so then uh, – Where did you feel your contractions? Were they all in the front and the back? You know, I thankfully did not they have. They weren't even contractions. They were surges. Exactly. Yeah. I did. I thankfully did not have the back labor. Okay. I've heard horror stories about that. Um, it was just a lot of cramping, and so much so that when I hit transition, I remember. Um, and and I did read about how sitting on the toilet can really help because that's where you naturally just really relax Open and up. you can be in your own environment. So I did a lot of sitting on the toilet. And at one point when I was going through transition. Sounds like I meant it as a joke, and I didn't at all. I meant it seriously. I called my husband, and I said, we could have just had dogs. And it sounds like I meant as a joke, but what I meant was, like, why am I putting myself through this when we could have just had, like, 12 dogs if we wanted? We could have had a farm of dogs. And um, so you do definitely hit a moment where you just kind of second-guess everything. But um, once you get through that, and then what continued from when I hit transition, I did get the urge to throw up. Um, because that was kind of also comical. I was on all fours in my bedroom, which was carpeted. It was the only room that was really carpeted, and I didn't want to throw up on the carpet. And so I turned to my husband after the the rush, and I said, I'm going to throw up. Go get me something. And he takes off running, and it feels like he's gone forever. And I'm thinking, just grab, like, a plastic bag. (laughs) Grab something, a bucket. And finally I yell, like, where are you? And he comes back and he brought in one of those, like, five-gallon glass water jugs. Oh. And he was like, here. And I'm like – and I looked at him. I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? And he was like, I got nervous. I panicked. I ran in the kitchen. I didn't know what to do. He's grab. like, what do I get? I don't know what to do. And I was like, go get a trash can. Go get anything. <laughs> so uh, I did get sick. I did throw up. Um, you had a tub. I did, but we didn't in get your in house. it. I, th- I feel like it was an ordeal to fill it. So turns out that there was some type of a, a didn't properly seal the hose to the shower, so and the I guess shower. it was leaking it a was bit. Flooding. Yeah. Oh, was it flooding? Because I was told was... by him later on. Because I was like, so you hadn't checked the hose, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> and uh, he was like, oh, it was the slightest little leak, and we fixed it. I don't know. It. it was. It was. I mean, flooding may be a little heavy-handed, but it but was. No, you saw there someone was, building an arc. Yeah, there was wet. Yeah, so. All over the bathroom, and then, um, wow. but then it did get filled, right? But then it was too hot. Uh, not too hot because apparently, so after I went through transition, I'm in the back bedroom. And one thing that Nina was great with was I would have a rush and she would say, okay, when this one finishes, let's go walk because that helps you move this whole thing faster. And I remember being like, okay, where are we going to walk to? And she's like, we'll just walk down the hall and we'd get up and we'd walk. And then the next rush would be stronger and the baby's coming closer. And so I finally went into the master bedroom's bathroom and I was laboring on the toilet and I started to push. And I remember the midwife came in and she said, are you pushing or is your body pushing? And I just remember saying, 
I have no control over this. Like, my body is doing this. And she said, okay, well, I think she doubted how far along I was. And she said, well, when you're finished with this rush, let's lay on the bed and let me check you. And I laid on the bed and she said, how important is it for you to get in that tub? Mm -hmm. Because if you want to birth in the tub, you've got to move now. And I just thought, I am not moving anywhere. (laughs) Like, I am Mm -hmm. comfortable. But what's interesting is I always thought I would birth in the squatting position, just have gravity help me. And here I was kind of on my back, Mm -hmm. which I was surprised at that. Did you, when you had done your simulations, did you picture yourself in water? I mean, what was the... I didn't picture myself in water, but I definitely pictured myself in the squatting position. So you just wanted water just in case. Um, I knew that it would alleviate a lot of the, the, the pressure Intensity. that I was feeling. Yeah. But so in your mind, you were planning to get in there at some point? Yeah. And if... It just never came to the right time. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was your birth where the, it, it actually, when it filled up, was too hot. Oh, really? And we were like throwing it. ice cubes in there yes. and we were doing everything <laughs> we could to try to cool it down. Yeah. So that's probably why it was never offered to me then. It could <laughs> be. Like, it hey, was pretty hot. The... You know, we were doing all sorts of things to try to that's cool hilarious. it. That's hilarious. But also, Shandy, you know, that time that you were in the bathroom, it really happened quite quickly from that point on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you listened to your body. I remember mm-hmm. you. we went into the – following you, went into the bedroom, and you weren't moving like you said. You were there. You were ready to have your baby, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So, so I came in before that happened. I'm mm-hmm. not sure at what point you called me, but when I came in – I just thrown up actually. Oh, that's when a lot of people <laughs> call me or, or they throw up right after they call me. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, I came in, you were still, I think in the living room, Mm -hmm. uh, just on On the the floor, on the ball, on a lot of hands and knees. And, Mm um, you know, I was just quietly loosening up your hips and trying to relax your back a little bit, but it was just magical the way you guys were, you guys were interacting with each other. And, you know, I I guess now I understand it was things from your board, but the Mm -hmm. things that you were saying and like tapping into all the history of the women who've done this before you. And it just all seemed to like calm you down Mm -hmm. and, um, and cricket licking your face. Um, like I think during and after every contraction, she would just jump up on her two little Mm -hmm. feet and she had to make sure I was okay. Like you're still good. Yeah. (laughs) It's all normal. Right. Well then, um, you know, I, I just remember I, I got very, like, primitive and almost animal-like with – I remember my head was kind of whipping while I'm on the bed and I was being really loud. And I remember for a flash moment thinking, our bedroom window is open. And at the point, we lived in, like, a condo and we could hear our neighbor listening to Star Wars sometimes. So I'm like, they're hearing this. They and this is 10 o'clock at night. And I started – I very quickly ran through the scenario of – are they going to call the cops and think, like, what is this noise? But then I thought, we have enough people here. So if the cops come, somebody will answer the door and say, it's a birth. Everything's fine. And then I very quickly remind myself, if you have anything that's holding you back from just being what you need to be in that moment, it's going to stall that labor. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, who cares? Someone will handle it. And I just remember getting right back into it. It's um, amazing how much you were in your forebrain that far into labor. Mm-hmm. Like the... Most people, the the neocortex where you have that kind of analysis and rational thought processes just flickers in and out or shuts off altogether. And you kept going back there. And usually when people go back there, it's it's not good. Mm-hmm. You go back there and you start wondering, like, am I okay? Is the baby okay? And how much longer is it going to be? But you, like, went back there for practical things. You're like, wait, the window's <laughs> open. Oh, yeah. wait, that's going to slow me down. Okay. <laughs> Somebody hand it. Shut that off. Uh, and you go back into your I mean, mammal I've brain. always been a big thinker. Yeah. <laughs> But you're able know. to come right back down. Yeah. That was the key. Yeah, you didn't stay yeah. there. You just yeah. went there for a flash yeah. moment for something practical and popped back out of there. Yeah. I mean, I knew it, where it was important to have my head space the whole time. I knew where it was important. And that was a big reason of doing the home birth, of just having my home environment, the safe environments familiar to me. And I just wanted – because, I mean, Ina May says that birth should really take like five hours. Um, and it's fear that gets in the way of mm. that. And so you just really – but another thing I thought was really interesting um, – because I know a lot of people know that during birth, the sphincter law, that if your mouth and everything is loose, then so is the area down there. And so it's important to do a lot of mm-hmm. – and I can do that till the cows come home. I can make that sound. <laughs> during labor, I couldn't. Really? And my husband and Nina would remind me, you know, do the horse lips. And I would try and I'd <laughs> – and I couldn't. <laughs> and, it's, it, and it re- reminded me in that moment of, oh, I must be tight down there because I physically can't loosen my lips right now. Mm. And I would have to focus so hard on loosening my lips and, and making that noise, huh. which if I did and I finally got it to loosen up and make that horse sound, then I think down there it really helped. Yeah. I never saw fear. Yeah. yeah. 
I, did, I never had any fear. Never saw I fear. never had any fear. I really just believed like everything was going to happen the way it's supposed to happen. I remember having many conversations with the baby ahead of time saying, I'm going to trust you that you're going to do what you need to do to get out. And you need to trust me that I'm going to do what I need to do to get you out. And we're going to work together in this. And so there was a lot of – and I remember even after he came out looking at him and just being like, we did it. Mm-hmm. And so you just have that bond now of 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 working together to but get out. But I feel out. for some, some many people it's hard to even have that kind of bond with the baby in utero and to have those conversations with the baby yeah. in utero. And then in labor, you, you forget that there's a baby. It's all about my labor. And yeah. so – Well, and a lot of people also I feel like think that the baby's like hurting them to get out. Mm. And it's kind of like – I always would tell my friends who were getting ready to have a baby that it's not like the flu or the, the stomach flu or something where it's like this just sucks. Mm-hmm. And there's no – the only time that you get better is when you actually just get better. Like you don't get a prize because you went through it. Right. But those pains that you're feeling – and that pressure is all great things. And you want to embrace it and be like, yes, that one was even stronger. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good thing because it's moving the baby closer to you. So it's all good. You want those pressures to happen. You don't want to be afraid of them and push them away. We live in a society where we want to put a bandage on everything. We don't want to feel. And this is one opportunity that if we allow ourselves to feel, we are co-creating this experience with the baby. And it's not something that's happening to you. This is something that's happening with you, mm-hmm. right? And and I think there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Such a good point. Yeah. And another thing is during our prenatal yoga classes, Nina would do these keep-ups is what she'd call it. And it's just like a simple move that if you do it a bazillion times, your muscles like strained and you're exhausted. And she'd have you do that to kind of put your mind in the space of labor of I have to get through this rush. It's going to be a minute and a half long. So I'm going to do this and it's going to get to the point where it's I want to stop, but it's only a minute and a half. And when you stop, you stop. And that pain is only there for that moment. And when mm-hmm. it's gone, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she would do these and I and I would have moments in class where I'm like, I can't do it anymore. And then you get through it and you realize that that is of the past. The pain is no longer there. Mm-hmm. And so that really helps with labor as well. Yeah. I mean, they say labor is a minute or a minute and a half at a time, and that's it. Don't think about labor as being five hours or 10 hours or 20 hours. Just get through that one minute, minute and a half. Again and again. Again mm-hmm. and again. Until there's and then it's over. It's over. Yeah. Take that space. Do that reset button. Have your hydration. Breathe. Connect. And then l- allow that next wave to come over you. And it really is the most present that you'll ever be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing, because um, I'm a firm believer in orgasmic births, And because the baby is coming through an area, there's a way that it can be a pleasurable experience. Mm -hmm. And I read many stories on it. There's a great book called Orgasmic Birth that just talks about one story after the next of these joyful, pleasurable experiences. And I do have to say that the actual act of pushing my baby out, there was not an ounce of pain Mm -hmm. in pushing the baby out. Yeah, there didn't seem to be. Yeah. Because you were talking, so you got out of of the bathroom and then ended up on your bed Mm -hmm. for pushing. Yes. So on my left was my husband and he would he was really good at tracking my contractions and he would say, Okay, baby, you got ten seconds till the next one comes and I'd be like, Okay, give me your hands and I would get in my position with his hands and, and holding them and turns out I guess I squeezed his hand so hard that <laughs> his, his thumb was bruised the next Ouch. day. Okay. So I, You're pretty I have strong, a strong right? grip. <laughs> and I had my left foot um really planted into my midwife's thigh and my right foot was perfectly planted on your stomach (laughs) (laughs) because the one line that was the best because I was great and I've got long monkey toes like I can actually play the piano with my toes (laughs) oh yeah I'm very talented with my toes and um like I was grabbing onto you for dear life and you were going nowhere but the best line was after everything was over and the baby was out and you came in to say goodbye and you said in your calm voice like you know thank you for letting me be part of this beautiful birth and and you went to leave and you said, and by the way, I have to say, you have incredibly strong toes. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the best moment. And I have that written in my baby's Aww. journal. <laughs> so I, uh, but I had my, my feet planted and I just, um, and, and you do get the sensation of the ring of fire when the baby's coming out, which is such a beautiful way of your body telling you, okay, ease up a little bit. Um, and so I would, as the baby would come out, it ease up a bit and I would feel him go back in. And then I'd push again and feel him come out a little bit more. And 
then the midwife said, on this next push, try to hold him once you, once you have a contraction, hold him in that position out for a few extra seconds just to stretch the area out a little more. And because I had been doing all the evening primrose oil for the two or three weeks leading up to it, um, after he came out, I hadn't torn at all. Everything was neat and tidy down there, <laughs> um, which was uh, that was one thing that I feared all of the the invasions. I feared feared the the cutting and the all of that that might happen. We didn't have to have any of that happen. I also something that that also struck me from your birth is that I don't remember her really coaching you on pushing at all. Um, when you felt like the urge to push, you just sort of did it. You found your own position. Nobody told you what position to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no, I don't remember really any counting, Mm-mm. you know, where, you know, mm-hmm. at the hospital Hospitals. birth, I mean, you've been to many yeah. of them where it's just like, there's a whole team of like coaches yes. for the push. And it's like, push, 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 reach side, your, <gasps> okay, yeah. keep pushing, push, 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 push. There was none of that. It was yeah. just like you were, knew what to do. Well, if you're going your number own. two. And if there's a number two expert in the bathroom with you and he's telling you, okay, push, 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 push. Like sometimes your body's like, I actually need to ease off for a second on this one and like hold it in for a second and then go. Like your body knows what it's supposed to do when it's pushing things out. Um, So I just really trusted that. But the funny thing is the midwife, we had the backup midwife, she was very soft-spoken. And I was so loud and primitive. (laughs) There are moments I'm in a contraction, I'm pushing and I'm loud. And then she would say something and I would actually stop my contraction and be like, what was that? What did did you say? And she'd be like, oh, I'm just saying you're doing a good job. Okay, so I'm just going to go back to pushing then. Thanks. (laughs) Like, speak up. Be my cheerleader here. (laughs) And again, Cricket was like on the bed there with you on the other Mm -hmm. side just. Sniffing making sure it's and all good. And making sure everything was okay. It was just, yeah, it, it, the lack of coaching, the lack of anybody sort of giving you instructions on what to do and you just doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. And and there was total patience. Everybody in the room was super, no, yeah. nobody was in a rush to go anywhere. Or, yeah. And, and the uh, only thing that I wish that we would have done, which I hope we'll do for our next baby, is the burning of the umbilical cord. Because, and the reason I wanted to do that is there's a lot of um, cultures that believe that by cutting it, you're sending this like sharp energy into this life force. And the fact that the husband does it or the man usually does, and it's this psychological, like the husband been separating you from your mother mm. and um, and there's there's a belief that by burning it instead you're putting all this warm energy in through the umbilical cord and it, it warms the baby and it's a more of a loving way and that sort of thing um, so we do there's this beautiful book that Nina actually had told me about called placenta the forgotten chakra mm. and they believe that the placenta is the extra chakra because it's the only organ that we grow for a purpose of protecting this life and it's like a guardian angel and and when it's done with its purpose, then it sheds itself, um, which is another reason why we honor that placenta and nourish my body and my baby by consuming the placenta raw over five days, which a lot of people thought was crazy to do. But when you consume it raw, are you just eating a chunk oh, of just, placenta? Or you <laughs> should we bite it right chew it down? now? Arr. Like bubble gum? <laughs> yum, <laughs> no, yum, we would yum. we would take little chunks, tiny chunks, um, and twice a day we put it in smoothies with a lot of berries and yogurt and yeah. um, coconut milk. So you actually it tastes better than the smoothies I make nowadays because hmm. um, you couldn't taste anything. And it's insane the amount of energy it would give you. So much so that my midwife said, don't have it after 3 o'clock in the afternoon because you'll be up all night. And oh, really? Yeah. That much would, energy. You would have – and my husband actually tried it as well, which I think was Did kind of like funny. Did he like it? Well, I was like, how come you're drinking these? And he's like, when else can I eat part of a human? Like, this is kind of <laughs> oh, wow. cool. There's a little cannibalistic side <laughs> Yeah, totally. Okay, good. But, uh, I, you know, I'd be laying in bed like an, any new mom and a little tired and nursing, and I would have a smoothie, and I would be up and want to vacuum. And, like, I, it was, you just had all this energy. You felt, like, you felt like you'd had a bunch of coffee and you could take on the world. Amazing. Uh, I found out recently that you're uh, you're pregnant, pregnant Got baby number two. Knocked up again. <laughs> yeah, I'm seven. Yeah, seventeen weeks and doing it all over again. Are you going to do anything differently? Um, I hope to get in the water at some point, whether it's a bath or a shower, just because everything I've read it almost alleviate. I mean, significantly alleviates a lot of the pressure that you're feeling. Um, and so I can't imagine, but my last birth was eight hours. So a second one usually will go faster. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to just sneeze and the baby comes yeah. out or what's going to happen. I kind of want to labor in my backyard a little bit, but Ooh. I'm afraid neighbors will be like, what's no, this girl doing? Be fine. Yeah. Like I just grab onto a tree. Do yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. We do that at home birth. We sometimes they will just send the couple out by themselves mm-hmm. to just yeah. go be alone and mm-hmm. in the yard. Na- neighbors don't complain. Yeah. 
I what are they going to yeah. say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> uh, it's better than other things going on on, on our block anyway. Um, Hilarious. <laughs> all right. So any final thoughts from you guys? From me, it's just um, two things. I think one, knowledge is power. So for people who <clears throat> are pregnant themselves or wanting to be pregnant, um, even if you're like, no, I want to do a hospital birth, I want to just know all of your options. Um, you know, I knew what w- what our options would be if we were transferred to a hospital. I knew um, I knew that if I was going to have a cesarean sec- section, that I really things that I want them to do within that cesarean section. Mm-hmm. So. You had multiple knowledge, birth plans. Yes. And knowledge is just really, really important. And so many women are afraid of it. Um, even like the evening primrose oil, inserting that, I talk to people about that and they're like, ew, I'm not going to like, you stick it inside yourself. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, how do you think the baby got in there? Like, what are you, why are you afraid of this? So I think knowledge is empower, empowerment, but also uh, the other point of advice is to trust yourself, trust your body. Um, and I just kept thinking, like, my bones are bones of my ancient ancestors. I have all of their DNA in me. My body knows how to get a baby out. My body's not going to create a baby too big to get out. How would that serve us as humans? Mm. Uh, we wouldn't exist if we if our bodies did that. And so to just really trust my body, trust my baby, and to realize that my baby's not this immature organism that he is far wiser than I ever could be because he's the next generation. And so to give him that respect, even as an infant. Mm. Beautiful. That is beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to say, Shandy, that you really showed up for yourself, you know, through your pregnancy. When I met you, like, I don't know, maybe you were six months pregnant, seven months, probably Mm -hmm. six months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And not just the books you were reading and the movies that you were watching, but just the way you were so present with your heart and with your baby through your pregnancy, you showed up for yourself and you Mm -hmm. trusted yourself in those moments of labor. And that is beautiful. And, you know, if we can all just even do that a little bit, just trust ourselves, trust our babies, and allow it to be instinctual. It's not somebody else telling us what to do, like you were saying about the pushing. Allow ourselves just to feel what it feels like and go from there without fear. Mm-hmm. So you did the work. It mm-hmm. takes work. That's actually a really – I love how you said allow yourself to feel it because so many people are afraid of feeling mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And they automatically – as soon as they can get the option of the epidural, they want the epidural. But how cool that like – I even think this sounds a little sadistic, but like death. We'll only experience that once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So instead of just like, okay, like I, I was shot. Like I just want to die right now. Like experience – that's really mm-hmm. psycho right now. <laughs> yeah, okay. But to really experience – and so with – I just remember pushing him out and being like, I want to feel this. I remember feeling his head come out and mm-hmm. I remember thinking, okay, the next – the whole baby will come out. And I can still remember how it felt to have his shoulders and his arms and then his hips. I felt everything. I felt his feet come out. Mm. And I just really wanted to, like, be in that moment so I could remember what that all felt like. Does he have strong toes? <laughs> he will. We're in training right <laughs> oh, now. You're, 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 We're in full toe okay, training. Your toes or Ben's toes? <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for being here and sharing thank your story. You. I feel the energy right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, it's because you it's ate that like placenta. I didn't tell it. you, but that smoothie is I that gave you is actually placenta. Oh, you're kidding so. me. Yeah. It's, it's delicious. <laughs> Uh, at home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you have a topic you'd like to discuss, send us your suggestions to info at informedpregnancy.com and visit us online for lots more pregnancy and parenting media at informedpregnancy.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a whole.